Hello, I'm Dr. Margaret and welcome to Journey into an Unknown World. Today I'd like to make this show a special topic because I'd like to honor the memory of Brad Soule who made it possible for me to bring this show to you. It was his idea that I should have this show and teach people all the things that I've had time to experience and share. He believed in me and I believed in him and unfortunately he had one of the crippling diseases that I'm about to speak of. So in his name, I, I praise him for all the ways that he has kept people in communication throughout his life and the many efforts that he put out to those he dearly loved and to those he barely knew, me being one of them at the time. He believed in my skills and my talents and I'm happy to announce that throughout the years that I worked with him, he always listened to my shows. He always did all the meditations I made for him. And yes, he worked with my therapist as best as he could. So based on that, I have decided to call this show Mind Games. You might say, why did I choose that title? Quite simply, we are born to play a mental game consistently throughout our life. Though we may not realize it, our thoughts go up and down, in and out, round about. And so in many ways, we become confused, lost, and out of balance. One might say that perhaps it would be better if we had a clear focus and have every opportunity to be as successful as possible. Having an open door with lots of opportunities to just fly through, to gain the things that we think we need, such as money to pay our bills, love with someone who is going to just adore us no matter what we do, and of course people in our society that will praise us in adulation consistently to make us feel that we are welcome as a member of the human tribe. Yes, that sounds like agape, the best thing that can happen to have peace and tranquility throughout our world. And yes, for a while it might seem wonderful, but how long before we would become bored? So it is in our primal beginning, from the beginning of time, that we have been encoded to live a life of controversy. Our point of view on how that controversy plays out is entirely our own point of view. So when we come together with others and compare our mental notes, we always find a disagreement in some way. A color is too blue, too cold, too hot, a color may be influencing us to think in associations with many other colors, to believe in some way that a certain color is lucky and another is not. It might be that certain sounds help us to recall memories while others help us run away from scenarios that seem to hold us back. So let's take a look at the kind of controversy that ends up in mental illness. First thing that happens is that we doubt ourselves. We look at 
the circumstances around us. We mentally add up all the pros and cons. And in some way we make an idea and that idea may well be founded on emotionals, uh, feelings of sense of not belonging, not being loved, not being wanted, not being cared for. Or it might be that we're exceedingly clever and seem to be outside the normal box of entertainment in some way with others and so feel separate, cast away, to stand alone, to live, to fight another day. Yes, the warrior in all of us wants to be king of the castle, wants to have their own pad in some way as perfect as possible. But in order to keep that space, that place in time, one has to keep amending the rules and regulations, adapting, trying in some way to fit in with whatever is coming at that person. Still others want to be involved, to be a part of the rebuilding of our society, emerging into a swarm of people who all think the same. But is it really true that we are all ideally thinking the same? When we start to try and work on a project, often we find that communication is not reliable. That people get angry because something isn't done the way they hoped it would be. Or that people are blaming and shaming others because they're not supporting the system in some way. Whatever we're doing, we are all judging one another. And no matter how much we try to share to give to someone the whole being that we are, there is always someone out there who seems to not agree, who seems to have judgment pouring down upon you in some way, no matter how hard you try to share and be involved with a group. Still others sit and think in contemplation about the many times they believe they failed. Thinking about failure ends up causing one to be still, silent, introverted, withdrawn, lost and alone. Of course it's not long before that longing to belong to others emerges from within the heart and at that point the struggle to survive starts to hit each individual in the face as they mourn the loss of what they believe they might have had. This type of controversy is the worst of all because it creates so much inner misery that no matter how anyone approaches that person, they seem to be lost to all. So how does these states of emotion reflect upon the heart? Well, yes, we all want to be loved completely and utterly for the perfect person we are that tiny baby that emerged into this world to be supposedly without any understanding. I'm here today to tell you that we all have an understanding when we are born. We have the understanding of our mother and father, especially the mother during the womb. So by the time we are born, we are not speaking the words, the language, we cannot walk or talk, but we can feel. And that feeling is taken up into the brain where the brain processes the feelings that you go through in the first 24 hours. 
and with the data you've absorbed emotionally from your mother as well as spiritually from both your mother and father, you will have set up a character, a personality which is stimulated by your soul structure coding that you chose in the spirit world. So hey, I'd like you to wake up to the fact that you actually were born with a lot of wisdom and knowledge and that you need to tap into that wisdom and knowledge in order to be able to help yourself. Now I know that there are a lot of people suffering with the following diseases, including myself. Yes, I had Parkinson's disease, diagnosed at 37. Hereditary from my father, my grandmother, who is the paternal, and my grandmother's father, who also had it, though it wasn't called Parkinson's disease. We don't know if it went back further, but we do know that it seems to go from female to male, female to male. And that might seem strange, but in the coding of the energy of the soul vibration of oneness, you can see mother births boy, boy gives life to new woman, new baby, and so on. And so it can be easily seen how the process of male and female energy entwines in the consciousness of any child born with the genes for Parkinson's disease. That isn't to say that everyone will get it. It all depends on how you process the information that you were born with. I was given a great deal of information after my birth which caused me to develop fear, pain, anger, guilt and many other side uh, plates as it were of, of ideas. And so you can understand that by the time I was 37, shaking all over with my head wobbling around, my hands couldn't even hold a book for more than a few minutes without wobbling all over the place, my hips tight and uh, a tremendous sense of misery, pain and suffering that caused me to die. In the process of that, I awakened to an open heart, the learning of the oneness and all that is around for me to be able to help and share that with others. People who have multiple sclerosis are angry people. It seems to them that they never get what they want. They have a lot of ideas about how they want things to be given to them. They often judge and condemn those around them that don't seem to come up with the things that they want. They blame and shame. And over periods of time with a constant process of doubt, fear, pain, anger and guilt, as well as their inbuilt mental misery, they develop scar tissue in the brain. This scar tissue is caused by the brain stimulating energy to spark across neurons. And when that energy is sparked, it burns the flesh and the brain dies a little bit at a time. The problem with neurons is if they're damaged, their little axioms float to try and change them and make them better, only to block neural signals. So in actual fact, we're in a downward uh, slope unless we learn to dump the way we think. Now you might say, how am I going to talk about this? And I'm saying right now that if you want my help, 
you can write to me, Dr. Margaret, that's D-R, Margaret, M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T, R-V-C, my initials for Rogers Van Coops, at gmail.com. Write to me and we can discuss how I can help you look at what's going down with you, how we can process and change your point of view, moving you into a whole different aspect of the divine essence of who you really are. So let me come back here to um, muscular dystrophy. Now this of course is a very crippling um, illness because over time the muscles and the nervous system pack up. Now I was talking earlier about people who withdraw from society, who have to stand alone. This energy of standing alone is about learning to believe in yourself, your abilities, your skills, and to do the things that you love to do. But whenever someone enters into your space and judges you and condemns you for what you've done, then the heart is totally shocked in pain. And as a result, the striving and driving, pushing self to try and do more, causes the brain to reflect on the failures of life. And as a result of that, we find the failure manifesting in the body. The body can no longer get up, walk, and do the things. And given time, unfortunately, it leads to many maladies besides the lack of movement. So I've discussed three things here. MS, that's of the mind, causing the body to go into insecurities, fears, and anxieties. I've talked about muscular dystrophy, causing the body to quit working. And I've talked about uh, Parkinson's disease, which causes the brain and the heart to slowly cut down the process of thinking and of feeling so that one becomes numb. And in this sense, we're looking at the fear of dealing with the unknown, the constant um, aspects of having to deal with the unexpected in a righteous way. Yes, stand up to whatever's coming at you, fight it off, do the best you can to hide your emotions, think about how you can twiddle things around to make them become something else. And in spite of the struggle, continue until you're so totally broke down in misery that it doesn't seem normal, as it were, to defend yourself, protect yourself, but rather to escape in no thought and no emotion, which then leads us not only to things like um, PD, but also into Alzheimer's. People who suffer with Alzheimer's have, over their life, sacrificed themselves for other uh, people who need attention. They can do it out of love or a sense of being discarded, not valued enough, not appreciated enough. And given time, often the one who seems to have been the strongest in a family unit actually is the first one to quit working towards their own goals and their own ambitions. So as a result of denial of self, they end up feeling lost and alone and sacrificial. Those who have dementia find that their brain starts to quit. They can't remember certain things that 
they normally would do every day, such as washing their face, um, taking a shower. They tend to have to be supported and watched all the time. This goes back to the baby, to unconditional love. When a baby is born, it is expected that everyone will say, ah, oh, isn't he or she sweet? If a person has been often the second, third, fourth, or fifth, or tenth child, they tend to feel like they are one in a crowd, not so important, and often start to make references to what their siblings have done or might have done to them. In some way, the influences of the siblings often do cause them to um, override their own personality and lose themselves in um, just not remembering anything. If you're an only child and you develop dementia, then what you're saying is, from the get-go when I was born, I never felt loved. So this fear of not being loved is what causes people to lose their memories. As you can tell by the way I've been talking, the brain is the absolute ultimate structure, the most important structure of a human body. Let's take a deep breath here for a minute and just think about what I've said. As you breathe in and out, I want you to realize that you're never alone. The oneness is always with you. And if you choose to stop thinking the way you've been thinking and start feeling the truth of your feelings, then you will be a happier person. And if you're a happier person, you will begin to heal. So let's talk about the brain for a minute. The brain has three parts. The conscious part, which is only 10%, that allows you to process your thinking consciously. And you believe it's all of you. Behind that is about 86% of the workings of your brain in the process of helping you to remember to go to the bathroom, when to eat, when to sleep, and how to work, and so on study things that you've done throughout your life, they're all stored in that 86%. So whenever you do something, subliminally you're dipping into your dish of memories and pulling up one or two that you believe are important. Let me make an example. How many times have you had an ice cream? How many times have you thrown up afterwards versus the times you've enjoyed it? If you've got more times of enjoying your ice cream, you are certainly going to want a lot more in the future. If you've hated it and thrown up mostly, then you're more likely to say, I hate that and I don't want any more. Now you've made up your mind, you'll never eat ice cream. It's not that you choose for or against, as you learn to be in the middle. A little bit is enjoyable and tasty and wonderful, while too much is overdoing it and making you ill in some way. The balance is all that the brain cares about and the subconscious looks into that to see which is more or less. Now your deep subconscious, which is your spirit mind, has programmed you to be who you are spiritually. And it is in a constant battle trying to decide whether you're for or against something that you believe on a conscious level and whether or not you've dipped into your subconscious to pull up some memories to help you decide what you're going to do next. Well, if you're full of fear, 
pain, doubt, conflict arises. You feel that no matter what you make up your mind to do, you can never achieve anything. And as a result of that idea, you get into a tremendous amount of disbelief about your ability to have an effect on life in general out there in the world, as well as your ability to achieve goals and ambitions. I might mention here that my book, The Rejection Syndrome, will give you a lot of insight into the way we process our coding from the soul structure as well as our upbringing. And um, there's lots of stories in there that show you how we work to achieve lessons in this life. So I recommend that book. If you're um, looking for more insight about your birth, my book Pro-Life, Pro-Choice, Pro-Spirit is also available for you. And I do have a new publisher and uh, it's easytimepublishing.com for those books where you can find them. Let me come back, of course, to say that there is always Amazon if you can't find that uh, around the world. There's different uh, countries and they sell my books in English. So let's go back to talking about disbelief, a sense of loss. Well, you know, you could go to the store when you're three and see the candies there and mommy says, no, there's no money or no, you're going to have your lunch or something. And in that blink of an eye moment, you see it and tell yourself, I can't have anything. And that becomes your foundation feeling thought form that you'll build upon throughout your life. So do you find yourself saying, well, I'd like this, but, okay, if you do, you need to reprogram yourself. Maybe you get angry every time you smell bacon. Maybe when you meditate on it, you'll associate that when you were young, bacon was gorgeously wonderful to eat until mother shouted at daddy, an idea that I put in my book. At that young age, you make a memory in association with the smell. And whenever you eat bacon, you may love it to death, but you get angry. Yes, the brain remembers and reiterates feelings and thoughts that are negative until you come to a point where you begin to say, why am I hurting myself this way? Why am I fighting against all odds, causing myself to feel so miserable? Or why am I running away to hide from everyone, causing myself to feel lost and again miserable? Why am I fighting to prove my point when nobody's listening, only to make myself miserable? Why am I longing to be loved, feeling that nobody loves me so I can't be very beautiful, so I'm miserable again? Why are you telling yourself you're too fat, you're, you're too thin, you're not tall enough, not big enough? Whatever it is in some way, realize you're making yourself miserable again with a belief that is not real nor true. I knew years ago a young man who was uh, what we call, unfortunately, a dwarf, and he was the most happy person I ever met because he accepted that he was who he was. And as a result of that, he went on to do quite a lot of uh, work in the circus. I was very young when I met him, but I knew he was a happy soul. So what are you believing about yourself? Are you in disbelief that you can do anything you want to do? 
are you on a downward slope towards having multiple sclerosis, muscular dystrophy, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's or dementia? If you are, you need to pull the brakes on of your life. You need to stop and take a long look at yourself. Are you afraid to be independent and provide for yourself in some way? Are you afraid to love someone unconditionally, even if it's only for five minutes? Are you afraid to go into the unknown, to challenge yourself, to give yourself every opportunity to explore, examine, expound about it to your friends, what you've seen and heard, show and tell everything that you are, to be vulnerable and naked as the day you were born, to learn to trust your intuition, your instinct to survive in this world. Are you afraid to believe in the unknown by hiding in a corner in the world of known things, things that you hate and yet you believe you need all the time? If a flood came and washed your house away, you'd have to start again. So if a flood of emotional misery, pain, suicidal aspects of looking at your life emerge out of that brain of yours, then you need to realize you need the flood of emotions to wash away the psychological thoughts that you've been holding on to. This is a time of change. This is the time of the fall. The fallout of the habits and the routines that we've adhered to. The ways of doing business will change with every type of um, technical thing that will emerge in our future. The ways of sharing will change as a result of that. Our business deals will change. Everything that we know and care about will change. So why are you holding on desperately to what was something 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or even 50, or even if you're that old, 80 years ago. No need to hold on to the past. The past is entertaining. The past reveals lessons. By all means, look over where you've been and what you've done. But without the wisdom that emerges from the experiences you've had, it's just a journey. Your journey is vital to the oneness. For as you do things, whatever you experience is fed back into the oneness. The oneness therefore has to have the light and the dark to teach you how to experience your ways in this world. And that comes to you through the DNA strand. All that has lived before you is recorded within the DNA strand. Generations of children now are being born with an aptitude to tack into their psyche. When they tack into it, by that I mean they attach a part of what is necessary for them personally, they will be successful in the things that they do. And they will teach us new ways to be because they are the transformers of time. They are the regeneration of our species. So as I talk about that, I'd also like you to know that I have a book called Quantum Entanglement, Journey 
Into an Unknown World is another book that I have. Going back to the quantum entanglement, this provides you with a paranormal point of view of what the oneness is. When you understand that, then Journey into an Unknown World, the teaching learning book, will teach you everything you need to know. And you'll understand a great deal more about yourself and your life. If you decide to get these two books, you're going to find that you will be shifting your consciousness for the rest of your life. Regenerate, rejuvenate. Yes, your brain has the encoded memory of how to build your body. After all, you came from a seed, a fertilized egg. One part was the placenta, another part was the uh, brain that comes next, and then last, your body. So your brain knows the pattern and the programming to rebuild your body. But if you're steeped in misery, emotionally, mentally, physically, down in distraught behavior, then you are going to deteriorate the body very quickly. But if you let go of your ancestry and awaken to the wisdom and history of your spirit self and the wisdom of the life that you've lived so far, seeing all the lessons you've learned have given you an understanding of this world, then you will rejuvenate your body. God gave us the herbs that we need all over this planet. We don't need pills from pharmaceutical medicine bottles. We need the natural things to build our body. It was made to live with natural things. That is why people who live in tribes live longer. They only get sick when we take diseases to them. So they are a blessing in disguise for us to see that their ways work. If you are ready to heal yourself of these serious mental conditions, MS, MD, PD, Alzheimer's and dementia, then give yourself every opportunity to seek out the natural herbs that will help you get better. As you regenerate the cells of your body, you will rejuvenate your brain. Your brain will start to resurrect good thoughts, things that you feel positive about that will allow you to evolve. So this is my serious little talk today to remind you that no one needs to be sick and ill. No one needs to suffer with disease. All you have to do is balance your everyday thoughts in your subconscious memory with hypnosis or meditation to allow your spirit self to bring all that you have, that wisdom, forward into the conscious mind. Now you might say, but I don't know how. And my answer to that is, I can make you your own personal hypnosis recording that will work just for you. Again, if you'd like to work with me, you can go to my website, www.sumaricenter, that's S for sugar, U, M for mother, A, R, I, S for sugar, again, center, spelled American, dot com. There you'll see all the things that I do. And if you decide that you would like me to 
make a hypnosis recording for you or give you a reading channeled from your spirit guides about your soul coding and your parents etc and the things that you're learning and what you need to do then contact me dr margaret rvc at gmail.com so we've just gone on a little journey where i have shown you how the mind games that you have played throughout your life can be vitally important to awakening wisdom that you brought with you from your spirit or in overcoming illness and disease to help you make positive mind games through imagination to develop a way of surviving in a happy, heartfelt way. So until then, I leave you all to have a wonderful day and hope that you will share this show with the many people around the world who are at this time suffering with all these kinds of diseases. If you have a child that is already withdrawn and not getting into the ways of the world, you need to contact me again, Dr. Margaret, rvc at gmail.com. Blessings to you all. Goodbye.